Chapter Eight, Part Two of New Grub Street. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bridget Gage. New Grub Street by George Gissing. Chapter Eight, Part Two. To the winning side. Shortly before the end of December appeared the first number of the Current. Yule had once or twice referred to the forthcoming magazine with acrid contempt. And of course he did not purchase a copy. So young Milvain has joined Fadge's hopeful standard, he remarked, a day or two later at breakfast. They say his paper is remarkably clever. I could wish it had appeared anywhere else. Evil communications, etc. But I shouldn't think there's any personal connection, said Marian. Very likely not, but Milvain has been invited to contribute, you see. Do you think he ought to have refused? Oh, no, it's nothing to me, nothing whatever. Mrs. Yule glanced at her daughter, but Marianne seemed unconcerned. The subject was dismissed. In introducing it, Yule had had his purpose. There had always been an unnatural avoidance of Milvain's name in conversation, and he wished to have an end of this. Hitherto, he had felt a troublesome uncertainty regarding his position in the matter. From what his wife had told him, it seemed pretty certain that Marianne was disappointed by the abrupt closing of her brief acquaintance with the young man. And Yule's affection for his daughter caused him to feel uneasy in the thought that perhaps he had deprived her of a chance of happiness. His conscience readily took hold of an excuse for justifying the course he had followed. Milvain had gone over to the enemy. Whether or not the young man understood how relentless the hostility was between Yule and Fadge mattered little. The probability was that he knew all about it. In any case, intimate relations with him could not have survived this alliance with Fadge. So that, after all, there had been wisdom in letting the acquaintance lapse. To be sure, nothing could have come of it. Milvain was the kind of man who weighed opportunities. Every step he took would be regulated by considerations of advantage. At all events, that was the impression his character had made upon Yule. Any hopes that Marian might have been induced to form would assuredly have ended in disappointment. It was kindness to interpose before things had gone so far. Henceforth, if Milvain's name was unavoidable, it should be mentioned just like that of any other literary man. It seemed very unlikely indeed that Marian would continue to think of him with any special and personal interest. The fact of her having got into correspondence with his sisters was unfortunate, but this kind of thing rarely went on for very long. Ewell spoke of the matter with his wife that evening. By the by, has Marian heard from those girls at Finden lately? She had a letter one afternoon last week. Do you see these letters? No, she told me what was in them at first, but now she doesn't. She hasn't spoken to you again of Milvain? Not a word. Well, I understood what I was about, Yule remarked, with the confident air of one who doesn't wish to remember that he had ever felt doubtful. There was no good in having the fellow here. He has got in with a set that I don't at all care for. If she ever says anything, you understand. You can just let me know. Marian had already procured a copy of the current and read it privately. Of the cleverness of Milvain's contribution, there could be no two opinions. It drew the attention of the public, and all notices of the new magazine made special reference to this article. With keen interest, Marian sought after comments of the press. When it was possible, she cut them out and put them carefully away. January passed, and February. She saw nothing of Jasper. 
a letter from Dora in the first week of March made announcement that the child's history of the English Parliament would be published very shortly. It told her, too, that Mrs. Milvain had been very ill indeed, but that she seemed to recover a little strength as the weather improved. Of Jasper there was no mention. A week later came the news that Mrs. Milvain had suddenly died. This letter was received at breakfast time. The envelope was an ordinary one, and so little did Marian anticipate the nature of its contents, that at the first sight of the words she uttered an exclamation of pain. Her father, who had turned from the table to the fireside with his newspaper, looked round and asked what was the matter. Mrs. Milvane died the day before yesterday. Indeed. He averted his face again, and seemed disposed to say no more. But in a few moments he inquired, What are her daughters likely to do? I have no idea. Do you know anything of their circumstances? I believe they will have to depend upon themselves. Nothing more was said. Afterwards, Mrs. Yule made a few sympathetic inquiries, but Marian was very brief in her replies. Ten days after that, on a Sunday afternoon, when Marian and her mother were alone in the sitting-room, they heard the knock of a visitor at the front door. Yule was out, and there was no likelihood of the visitors wishing to see anyone but him. They listened, the servant went to the door, and, after a murmur of voices, came to speak to her mistress. "'It's a gentleman called Mr. Milvain,' the girl reported, in a way that proved how seldom callers presented themselves. He asked for Mr. Yule, and when I said he was out, then he asked for Miss Yule. Mother and daughter looked anxiously at each other. Mrs. Yule was nervous and helpless. "'Show Mr. Milvain into the study,' said Marian, with sudden decision. "'Are you going to see him there?' asked her mother in a hurried whisper. "'I thought you would prefer that to his coming in here.' "'Yes, yes, but suppose father comes back before he's gone. "'What will it matter? "'You forget that he asked for father first. "'Oh, yes, then don't wait.' "'Marian, scarcely less agitated than her mother, "'was just leaving the room, when she turned back again. "'If father comes in, you will tell him before he goes into the study.' "'Yes, I will.' "'The fire in the study was on the point of extinction.' This was the first thing Marian's eye perceived on entering, and it gave her assurance that her father would not be back for some hours. Evidently, he had intended it to go out. Small economies of this kind, unintelligible to people who have always lived at ease, had been the lifelong rule with him. With a sensation of gladness at having free time before her, Marian turned to where Milvane was standing, in front of one of the bookcases. He wore no symbol of mourning, but his countenance was far graver than usual and rather paler. They shook hands in silence. "'I am so grieved,' Marian began, with broken voice. "'Thank you. I know the girls have told you all about it. We knew for the last month that it must come before long, though there was a deceptive improvement just before the end. Please to sit down, Mr. Milvane. Father went out not long ago, and I don't think he will be back very soon.' "'It was not really Mr. Yule I wished to see,' said Jasper frankly. If he had been at home, I should have spoken with him about what I have in mind. But if you will kindly give me a few minutes, it will be much better. Marian glanced at the expiring fire. Her curiosity as to what Milvane had to say was mingled with an anxious doubt whether it was not too late to put on fresh coals. Already the room was growing very chill, and this appearance of inhospitality troubled her. "'Do you wish to save it?' Jasper asked, understanding her look and movement. I'm afraid it has got too low. 
I think not. Life in lodgings has made me skillful at this kind of thing. Let me try my hand. He took the tongs, and carefully disposed small pieces of coal upon the glow that remained. Marian stood apart, with a feeling of shame and annoyance. But it is so seldom that situations in life arrange themselves with dramatic propriety. And, after all, this vulgar necessity made the beginning of the conversation easier. That will be all right now, said Jasper at length, as little tongues of flame began to shoot here and there. Marian said nothing, but seated herself and waited. I came up to town yesterday, Jasper began. Of course, we have had a great deal to do and think about. Miss Harrow has been very kind indeed to the girls, so have several of our old friends in Wattleboro. It was necessary to decide at once what Maud and Dora are going to do, and it is on their account that I have come to see you. The listener kept silence, with a face of sympathetic attention. We have made up our minds that they may as well come to London. It's a bold step. I'm by no means sure that the result will justify it, but I think they are perhaps right in wishing to try it. They will go on with literary work? Well, it's our hope that they may be able to. Of course, there's no chance of their earning enough to live upon for some time. But the matter stands like this. They have a trifling sum of money, on which, at a pinch, they could live in London for perhaps a year and a half. In that time, they may find their way to a sort of income. At all events, the chances are that a year and a half hence, I shall be able to help them to keep body and soul together. The money of which he spoke was the debt owed to their father by William Milvane. In consequence of Mrs. Milvane's pressing application, half of this sum had at length been paid, and the remainder was promised in a year's time, greatly to Jasper's astonishment. In addition, there would be the trifle realized by the sale of furniture, though most of this might have to go in payment of rent, unless the house could be relet immediately. They have made a good beginning, said Marian. She spoke mechanically, for it was impossible to keep her thoughts under control. If Maud and Dora came to live in London, it might bring about a most important change in her life. She could scarcely imagine the happiness of having two such friends always near. On the other hand, how would it be regarded by her father? She was at a loss amid conflicting emotions. It's better than if they had done nothing at all, Jasper replied to her remark, and the way they knocked that trifle together promises well. They did it very quickly, and in far more workmanlike way than I should have thought possible. No doubt they share your own talent. Perhaps so. Of course I know that I have talent of a kind, though I don't rate it very high. We shall have to see whether they can do anything more than mere booksellers' work. They are both very young, you know. I think they may be able to write something that'll do for the English girl. And no doubt I can hit upon a second idea that will appeal to Jolly and Monk. At all events, they'll have books within reach, and better opportunities every way than at Finden. How do their friends in the country think of it? Very dubiously. But then, what else was to be expected? Of course, the respectable and intelligible path marked out for both of them points to a life of governessing. But the girls have no relish for that. They'd rather do almost anything. We talked over all the aspects of the situation seriously enough. It is desperately serious. No doubt of that. I told them fairly all the hardships they would have to face. Described the typical London lodgings, and so on. Still, there's an adventurous vein in them, and they decided for the risk. If it came to the worst, I suppose they could still find governess work. Let us hope better things. Yes, 
but now I should have felt far more reluctant to let them come here in this way, hadn't it been that they regard you as a friend. Tomorrow morning you will probably hear from one or both of them. Perhaps it would have been better if I had left them to tell you all this. But I felt I should like to see you, and put it in my own way. I think you'll understand this feeling, Miss Yule. I wanted, in fact, to hear from yourself that you would be a friend to the poor girls. Oh, you already know that. I shall be so very glad to see them often. Marian's voice lent itself very naturally and sweetly to the expression of warm feeling. Emphasis was not her habit. It only needed that she should put off her ordinary reserve, utter quietly the emotional thought which so seldom might declare itself, and her tones had an exquisite womanliness. Jasper looked full into her face. In that case, they won't miss the comfort of home so much. Of course, they will have to go into the very modest lodgings, indeed. I have already been looking about. I should like to find rooms for them somewhere near my own place. It's a decent neighborhood, and the park is at hand, and then they wouldn't be very far from you. They thought it might be possible to make a joint establishment with me, but I'm afraid that's out of the question. The lodgings we should want in that case, everything considered, would cost more than the sum of our expenses if we live apart. Besides, there's no harm in saying that I don't think we should get along very well together. We're all of us rather quarrelsome, to tell the truth, and we try each other's tempers. Marian smiled and looked puzzled. Shouldn't you have thought that? I have seen no signs of quarrelsomeness. I'm not sure that the worst fault is on my side. Why should one condemn oneself against conscience? Maud is perhaps the hardest to get along with. She has a sort of arrogance, an exaggeration of something I am quite aware of in myself. You have noticed that trait in me. Arrogance? I think not. You have self-confidence. Which goes into extremes now and then. But putting myself aside, I feel pretty sure that the girls won't seem quarrelsome to you. They would have to be very fractious indeed before that were possible. We shall continue to be friends, I am sure. Jasper let his eyes wander about the room. This is your father's study? Yes. Perhaps it would have seemed odd to Mr. Yule if I had come in and begun to talk to him about these purely private affairs. He knows me so very slightly. But in calling here for the first time, an unusual embarrassment checked him. I will explain to father your very natural wish to speak of these things, said Marian, with tact. She thought uneasily of her mother in the next room. To her there appeared no reason whatever why Jasper should not be introduced to Mrs. Yule, yet she could not venture to propose it. Remembering her father's last remarks about Milvane in connection with Fadge's magazine, she must wait for distinct permission before offering the young man encouragement to repeat his visit. Perhaps there was complicated trouble in store for her. Impossible to say how her father's deep-rooted and rankling antipathies might affect her intercourse even with the two girls. But she was of independent ears. She must be allowed the choice of her own friends. The pleasure she had in seeing Jasper under this roof, and hearing him talk with such intimate friendliness, strengthened her to resist timid thoughts. "'When will your sisters arrive?' she asked. "'I think in a very few days.' When I have fixed upon lodgings for them, I must go back to Finden. Then they will return with me, as soon as we can get the house emptied. It's rather miserable selling things one has lived among from childhood. A friend in Wattleborough will house for us what we really can't bear to part with. It must be very sad, Marian murmured. You know, said the other suddenly, that it's my fault the girls are left in such a hard position. Marian looked at him with startled eyes. His tone was quite unfamiliar to her. 
Mother had an annuity, he continued. It ended with her life. But if it hadn't been for me, she could have saved a good deal out of it. Until the last year or two, I have earned nothing, and I have spent more than was strictly necessary. Well, I didn't live like that in mere recklessness. I knew I was preparing myself for enumerative work. But it seems too bad now. I'm sorry for it. I wish I had found some way of supporting myself. The end of mother's life was made far more unhappy than it need have been. I should like you to understand all this. The listener kept her eyes on the ground. Perhaps the girls have hinted it to you, Jasper added. No. Selfishness. That's one of my faults. It isn't a brutal kind of selfishness. The thought of it often enough troubles me. If I were rich, I should be a generous and good man. I know I should. So would many another poor fellow whose worst features come out under hardship. This isn't a heroic type, of course not. I am a civilized man, that's all. Marian could say nothing. You wonder why I am so impertinent as to talk about myself like this. I have gone through a good deal of mental pain these last few weeks, and somehow I can't help showing you something of my real thoughts, just because you are one of the few people I regard with sincere respect. I don't know you very well, but quite well enough to respect you. My sisters think of you in the same way. I shall do many a base thing in life, just to get money and reputation. I tell you this, that you mayn't be surprised if anything of that kind comes to your ears. I can't afford to live as I should like to. She looked up at him with a smile. People who are going to live unworthily don't declare it in this way. I oughtn't to. A few minutes ago I had no intention of saying such things. It means I am rather overstrung, I suppose. But it's all true, unfortunately. He rose, and began to run his eye along the shelves nearest to him. Well, now I will go, Miss Yule. Marian stood up as he approached. It's all very well, he said, smiling, for me to encourage my sisters, in the hope that they may earn a living. But suppose I can't even do it myself. It's by no means certain that I shall make ends meet this year. You have every reason to hope, I think. I like to hear people say that, but it'll mean savage work. When we were all at Finden last year, I told the girls that it would be another twelve months before I could support myself. Now I am forced to do it. And I don't like work. My nature is lazy. I shall never write for writing's sake, only to make money. All my plans and efforts will have money in view. All. I shan't allow anything to come in way of my material advancement. I wish you every success, said Marian, without looking at him, and without a smile. Thank you, but that sounds too much like good-bye. I trust we are to be friends for all that. Indeed, I hope we may be. They shook hands, and he went towards the door. But before opening it, he asked, Did you read that thing of mine in the current? Yes, I did. It wasn't bad, I think. It seemed to me very clever. Clever, yes, that's the word. It had a success, too. I have as good a thing half done for the April number, but I've felt too heavy-hearted to go on with it. The girls shall let you know when they are in town. Marian followed him into the passage, and watched him as he opened the front door. When it had closed, she went back into the study for a few minutes before rejoining her mother. End of chapter 8